It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is a Manhattan-bound B Express train. The next stop is Grand Street. Mind the gap. Hello, I'm John Elledge, and this is Skylines, the City Metric podcast. Something pretty awful happened in January. Not in the world, I mean, to me personally. My my dad died. Uh, he lived on his own in in Birmingham. Uh, I didn't see enough of him. And his partner died of cancer four years ago. And he, to be honest, my dad had never really sort of recovered from, from, from the grief. And we, we kind of had this warning system set up whereby he told me, you know, like if I'm, I'll share all your articles on Facebook. If I stop doing that, check up on me. And on January 9th, I noticed he'd, he had stopped. I couldn't raise him on the phone. And the next day I was actually, I was due to record a, a, a podcast interview with, with, uh, with Matthew Engel about his book about the railways, which came out in, I think, episode 72. And I was so distracted, I was incredibly rude to, to Matthew, who's an absolutely lovely man. And when I told him the reason why, he was like, no, do, do you want to stop? But I, you know, I, wanted to, I wanted to finish the interview, um, even though I was, my mind was elsewhere. So eventually we, we managed to get someone around to check and found that everything was not all right. And my dad, my dad had died. So this has kind of been um, where my where my head has been for for much of the last couple of months. Uh, I mention all this for for two reasons. First of all, I have a column about about my relationship with my father in this week's edition of the of the New Statesman, talking about how you know we learned to communicate by arguing about politics and how our, our divergent views on on the Brexit vote kind of kind of made that much more difficult. But the other reason is I kind of wanted to do something at some point as a sort of I don't know, tribute is putting it too strongly. But I, my dad and I were very different people in many different ways. We have very different politics. We have very different ideas of what, it, you know, what, what, what life was really about. But something I kind of did get from him, I think, is, is, my, is, is my obsession with, with bit, large bits of physical infrastructure. Like my dad was an engineer. He had a lot of books on, on engineering and on major infrastructure projects, which I would kind of pour over as a kid. And, you know, we were interested in, in different things. He was never really sort of a trains guy. But but it was something that we did we did have in common. Um, so what I thought I would like to do is I'd invite someone who randomly my, my dad added on Facebook uh, about a year ago, which is slightly slightly confusing and worrying thing to do. But uh, a media friend of mine who my dad, I think, just wanted to chat to about about engineering, and I thought it'd be kind of a nice, a nice little tribute to 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 get the guy in question in, so we could talk about well, 
we're going to talk about trains. Uh, my name is Jim Watson. Uh, until about a week ago, I was the political editor at BuzzFeed UK, and hopefully, as long as this podcast doesn't ruin my reputation, I'll soon become the media editor at The Guardian. Okay, so we're, we're your in-between job, really. You, you are my one freelance commitment, which I think <laughs> I can get away with on the basis that the, there is no way that this could be too controversial. I don't know. We're going to we're going to list railway journeys, so we'll see. We'll there will see be lots of angry letters. Yeah. yeah, people feel strongly about these things. Before that, though, one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on now is because of this sort of slightly confusing thing that happened in February 2017 when my dad added you on Facebook. Yeah, I never I never add anyone on Facebook, or at least I used to try not to. I I, I mean, I was I I thought Facebook was bad before it was cool. Um, but uh, yeah, when I saw your dad. Um, very sweetly inexplicably pop up in my would you like to add this friend thing and start talking about obscure bits of railways um i couldn't help but press confirm he he, he, but the thing is this wasn't like a habit of his like he didn't like go through like my friends list in fact like after an old school friend of mine added my dad after meeting him at my wedding my dad said does he not get out much or something like he found that a bit odd. So you are you you were clearly special in some way to him that I'm not quite clear. What do you what do you think it is you would what is it you would talk to him about on Facebook? How did this? Well, it wasn't it wasn't regular conversation. It was just occasionally it'd pop up. But you, you'd post something very in depth, you know, no doubt a sort of a a city metric guide to resignaling your bathroom or something like that. I don't know what what whatever your day to day content is, and he'd pop I up. I'm to write that one down. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a good quite a good headline there. Uh, and he'd pop up and object to uh, something, some minor detail that you got wrong on the engineering of it. Uh, and, and I'd always firmly agree with him. It's, it's basically my memory. But it was very sweet. I, I think I asked whether, whether uh, John got everything from him in terms of the obsession with odd bits of infrastructure. And he seemed happy to confirm that, yes, yes, I am entirely responsible for City Metric and its entire existence. But he kind of, he wasn't really a train guy. Like, I mean, he, 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 he would take a train occasionally but he was always much more like he was a bit of a sort of top gear sort of type and he'd been a water engineer that was his profession so he basically spent his life like walking around reservoirs taking notes on them he did have these uh he, he had a couple of books that i remember very clearly from my childhood one was called like cool things like london under london or subterranean london which was that sort of intersection of like you know the sewer system which was his line of interest and the tube which was my line of interest so that was probably that was probably like a key a key text in our relationship i would imagine right so you go around with the dowsing sticks trying to find where the victoria line crossed a, a basil jet sewer or something like that and he wasn't that active but it's probably like he might have looked at it on, on, a, on a better google maps or something yeah. Anyway, so 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 we are going to talk about um, about something that is probably not of direct interest to my late father, but sort of inspired by him. We are going to talk about railway lines because something something I did uh, after after my dad's partner died in twenty fourteen is the two of us took a, a, a brief holiday together to the Lake District, uh, and then I made him drive out of his way to drop me at Carlisle. And then he got back in the car and went down the motorway. Can you guess where it was I wanted to go to Carlisle and come home on myself? You wanted to go to Carlisle yep. on your own and get back 
on your own. Yeah, can but, you imagine why that might have been as a trained nerd? Because uh, you wanted to do the Cecil and Carlisle line. I did want to. But do you wanted Cecil. to do it in reverse, which momentarily threw me because I was trying to think what it was called. But it's the uh, it's not the Carlisle and Settle. It's the Settle and Carlisle. Right. It is. But the problem is, if I'd if I'd got him to drop me at Settle, that would have been even further out of his way, and then I would have ended up in Carlisle, which isn't much use. For that's my that's very it. sweet of him. That's what dads are for, really, to yeah. to drive you to uh, to take one way journeys back across Britain. I mean, he did instantly so that like he was worried about the traffic in Birmingham so he did instantly get back on the motorway and bugger <laughs> off leaving me in Carlisle on my own for four hours which was like quite a nice day out in Carlisle and doing my sort of Bill Bryson routine wandering around poking around museums and things but uh... but there's, there's definitely something about about uh, you know I, I have uh, I was very embarrassed about it in my youth coming out as someone who's into railway infrastructure is a, a very painful moment in many uh, people in their 20s lives but we've made great strides you, you have to like, really yeah. uh, have the confidence and understand that society will increasingly be accepting of you um but yeah no i think i mean we've all been dragged around things by our parents that 20 years later suddenly seem incredibly interesting as you realize you're starting to morph into them and railways certainly for me i think to a lesser extent yourself maybe is one of those no i was always i i but i don't know i've i think my interest in railways kind of comes from a different place to yours because i think yours is an engineering thing whereas mine is kind of a map thing my my mine was mainly uh working out how to get to gigs age 15 and 16 in an affordable manner and having to work out every single bit of the ticketing system and every single route that would get me back for school that was basically why i became obsessed and then i was always i mean you know, when you're sleeping for the night on Leeds Station, counting every single train going in and out to make sure that you're getting the right one becomes a bit of an obsession. So weirdly, that's where it comes from, from travelling around. And then I suddenly remembered that my dad was also really into the engineering side of it. And then now we happily sit there while I bore him to death about what's going on on the railway line at the bottom of his garden. Oh, nice. Which line is it? We've got the York to Scarborough line at the bottom of my parents' garden. So they, my, my dad tells the time by working out which service is going past. He doesn't look at the clock. He, <laughs> he takes great enjoyment from going, oh, that's the uh, 52. That's the once a week St Pancras service. You can tell because it only runs on a Saturday. And then he expects the whole table to applaud uh, rather than just look at him with a slightly, slightly disgusted look. Mm. So you you grew up uh, near York, right? I grew up I grew up near York. Uh, my parents now live in York itself. And uh, York is, among other things, the home of the National Railway Museum. Do you think that's a, a factor in your? Yeah, um, probably the bigger factor is, uh, and I think we should crack on and start running through. So just to explain why we've ended up at this point talking about a top ten railway journeys is there's always those books that people get for the relative they don't know what to buy at Christmas which is sort of like top thousand things to visit before you die. Did you get the Simon Jenkins And Best Simon Station Jenkins, ones? his publisher, I mean, fair play to him, they must have sold so many copies yeah, of that. I got that one this Christmas. How many copies? Just the one. Just the one. Oh. I thought you'd have got at least two or three. Yeah. I don't have that many relatives, so... Um, so <laughs> that's, that's Simon, Simon Jenkins, uh, sort of, who's done this, this book called 100 Railway Stations to Visit Before You Die, or some equivalent mm. of that, must have made a mint from it. And whenever you flick through them, they're always a bit... A bit obvious. They're always a bit sort of everyone's agreed already which the obvious ones and it's just nice to have it repackaged again. So I thought, uh, because I used to work until recently at a list site called BuzzFeed and we, I once pitched a, a, a definitive guide, a, a very subjective guide to the best railway journeys in Britain that wouldn't be like 
this most beautiful thing in the country and this and that but the ones that actually are really fun and good and interesting have something to see out the windows or are special for a different reason so um because city metric is about the only outlet that would ever let this be published buzzfeed quite understandably said no way uh go and write something proper uh i thought we could just run through it and just argue about stuff as we go and I, I i tapped out my memory of it on the way here so I'm, I'm excited to find out where in here the settlers of Carlisle is, but we're going to do from we're going to do from ten and we're going to count to one. We'll do a I'm proper rundown. So I'm, I'm going to argue as we go. I think so. So number, number ten. Number ten is the Lou Branch Line, and that's Lou with a L O double O. No, I can't say that. L- that's three. That's, that's three, three L's. L's. That's three O's. It's, it's in Cornwall. It's got right? an E at the end of it. Yeah. It's a branch line in Cornwall. It's a branch line in Cornwall. It's just one of those stupid things that shouldn't really exist and is inexplicably a part of the national rail network maintained to a standard it's got stations on it that have about 30 punters a year it's got uh a, you, you go down an incredibly steep slope from the main line uh rattling along in some sort of uh pacer equivalent you then stop because they cut the line off the bloke goes to the other end, reverses, takes a token out of somewhere, and then trundles this thing, which I swear must be possible to do with a bus, all the way down into this little seaside town called Lou. Um, and it's stunning. It's about eight miles long. It's completely preposterous. It must cost the country millions a year to keep up. And I'm sure if you dared to suggest to anyone in Cornwall it should be removed, there'd be a campaign like you've never seen to save it. It is sort of miraculous it survived beaching. It does sound like exactly the sort of thing that would have... Like, there's hardly anyone there. It's not a, It's not like a commuter area. It's kind of baffling that it... I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased it did survive. I would like to try it one day, but it's kind of not clear to me how it did survive. Uh, presumably, the, the good burgers of, of Luke said that their town would be... Their tourist industry would be destroyed by it and that someone made the case that if you did this clever thing, you could reduce the maintenance a little bit but so many of the lines in britain so many of the places that are still doing okay or having revivals because they somehow kept their line in the 60s Mm. and that's almost always because one person or a small group of people in the town mounted a campaign and you know or an mp was particularly efficient at telling the ministry of railways to keep it open or in some cases even that there was just a quarry on the line i don't even know whether that was one of these uh but that was enough to keep them keep it going so that 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 one is there at number 10 to symbolize it's really pretty it's nice if you can cornwall check it out all right but it's there because all of these stupid little wonderful preposterous bits of railway which are still there and maintained on the british network all right give us what's number nine number nine is uh the journey from swansea to craven arms which is through the middle of wales craven arms isn't a place it's it's i think it's named after the pub i think it's one of those few towns that's actually named after the pub itself and it is, I think I'm right in saying uh, that when they were looking at which railway lines to close under beaching, Howard Wilson was told that goes through four marginal constituencies. No way are you closing it. <laughs> um, and you go through, and I'm doing this from memory, so I'm apologies to any listeners. There's all the routes online, but places like Sugarloaf, which is basically a stop on the side of a mountain with about 40 passengers a year, um, you stop in endless villages where it seems the whole village's effort is put into maintaining the uh, flower pots on the station platforms. Um, and it takes forever, but you can tell by who's getting on. You know, there's people who've clearly travelled for hours, done all their big shopping for like the next three months in Swansea and are going back to whichever small village where they'll then get the bus, which will then take them halfway up a mountain. 
and that's how they live their lives and if without this they wouldn't be able to do it south wales is one of those bits of the country that has still has a surprisingly dense railway network isn't it if you kind of look at i mean we're a bit sort of we're talking about a line out of swansea i'm talking more about the ones out of cardiff which is a bit to the west east but because it's all the valleys north of cardiff every valley has its own railway line effectively so it looks like a surprisingly dense commuter network in a part of the country that's not that densely populated. Yeah, and it, se- it seems yeah. to work, and they seem to still be expanding it, and every so often someone comes up with a plan to put more money into it, and they've probably benefited from um, uh, the Welsh Assembly putting more funding mm. in, because you tend to do pretty well out of transport if you have a devolved assembly. Yeah, and the, well, Cardiff has, has been a bit of a boomtown the last 20 years, with both like the the arrival of devolution and like it becoming a sort of cultural hub with like major TV production going on there in a way that wasn't really happening before. So yeah. And, um, but you still, uh, you still won't be able to get your, I think I'm right in saying you won't be able to get an electric train to Swansea. I think they dropped that in the end. They sort of canceled it, dropped it, revived it again several times over. I think if we're talking about like, if the question is, has the government completed the electrification of X, then the answer is almost always going to be no. no. Yeah. Uh, Give us number eight. Number number eight. eight? Um, HS1. Okay, that's a change of pace. Exactly. So all, 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 these, all these best railway journeys in Britain are always like, well, if you go from Fotherington by Smythe and get the one train a day over the hill, you'll see views like you've never seen before. The, the, the excitement of when I first got on HS1 and we're like, this is stupid. There's this futuristic, slightly Japanese style train which is going to whiz all the way through central london in a tunnel and then emerge uh, over this uh bridge uh and then go right under the thames and emerge at ebbs fleet where there's absolutely nothing at all um before whizzing off to kent i just thought it was so brilliant it was sort of a vision of what we could have if to be honest it if we'd been like europe and had to start again after world war ii that's what the british railway network railway network would look like we'd have like logical systems and things that just worked and self-contained and no Victorian tunnels. You say it's a logical system, but it is also Britain's only uh, specially designed high-speed railway line, and it goes from London to nowhere in particular. I mean, it's there because that's the it's the route Eurostar comes in yeah. from the continent. But HS1 is the branding for the domestic services which go to Eastern Kent, where there's nothing. There's nothing in Eastern Kent. There's no significant settlements. Like, Ashford is the big town over yeah. there. And it's, it must be less than 100,000 people. There's nothing there. Well, it's, it's fantastic for getting to, to Dover. You can go to Dover. You can go to Folkestone. Henry Bolton, when he was UKIP leader, was getting, getting it home every night. Um, I was For some reason, someone insisted on sending me packed pics of him from the HS1 uh, on the way home to Folkestone every night. I didn't really want to use them. But was, but was he with any, any blondes who looked was, like they might have interesting views on race relations? I'm not entirely sure what we should legally refer to her as, but the, his, his, his ex, perhaps no longer his ex, yes, he was definitely with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, maybe they were just enjoying the futuristic feeling of, um, of riding HS1. It just had a sense of that sort of 60s white heat of industry that you just don't get anymore, where we've just done something really big and expensive and it's quite fun. One weird thing I've found, if you look at sort of maps of the European high-speed rail network, actually, I think one of the less discussed reasons why we've not really built a high-speed rail network over here is we kind of already have one. Like, our, our, our existing intercity services are, by international standards, pretty nippy. Mm. It's just they're not kind of like the nippiest you know like it's but still like it's it's two hours from london to manchester or liverpool and that's like that's a small country really yeah quite small and like half the population lives in that kind of um 
the sort of the stretch from like Kent up to southern Lancashire is is half the population mm. of the entire UK, despite it being a relatively small share of the country. So it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So, in terms of uh, railway journeys to take before you die, we'll, we'll rattle through the next few. Okay, uh, number the, seven. The Kyle of, Kyle of Lacauschlein. Okay, I'm guessing we're in Scotland. We're in Scotland. We're in very northern Scotland. And all of the... If you ever want a week's trip where you just buy a cheap ticket and get some rover and just go all the way around, which is one of those... You can travel as much as you want in a week. Going around northern Scotland is amazing. Um, I actually, about five years ago, took a week's holiday, bought an all-line rover, which is an unlimited ticket for the whole of the UK. How much did that cost? Cost me. I still was on a rail card. Although I am now a millennial rail card holder, so I can do it again. You fool bastard. Um, I, uh, it cost, cost about 300, 400 quid at the time, and it was amazing. We did... Um, we did went from Kent to Cornwall, through Wales, up to the far, literally Thurso, and then back down to York and back down to London after that. And it was perfect. It was the, the most amazing amount of travelling in seven days you can imagine. Uh, it was more logistical challenge than actual relaxing holiday, I'd say. But it was it was good. I mean, it is in some ways signing up for a week of being stressed. You're going to miss your train. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think that the highlight was when I forgot it was a Sunday and realised that uh, everything had fallen apart in terms of my plan. Um, the so, so why the Carl of look? I can't even pronounce Carl of Lacouch. So that runs from Dingwall, just north of Inverness, to uh, Carl of Lacouch, which used to be the place you got the ferry to get to the Isle of Skye, and then they built a bridge. So it doesn't really have much of a purpose anymore. But uh, next to the 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 station platform at Kyle, literally you could walk onto the ferry from it. It was part of the same thing, and you just trundle across Sky uh, to Sky. Um, and the Far North Line, which is the one that runs from Inverness to Thurso, is amazing. But it's also the single bleakest thing you'll ever do in your life. It is just unrelenting. Four hours to get from Inverness to Thurso. Um, There's four hours to go after Inverness. Yes, yes. That's mind-blowing. Uh, it is. Uh, you, you, every so often... You can get from London to Edinburgh in four hours. Exactly. Um, 
And so while it's worth doing, you will slowly will lose the will to live. It, it, it's sort of a thing you do purely so you can be annoying on a podcast and say you've done it. Whereas going to Kyle and over to Sky and then coming off the southern end and back to Fort William is one of the best railway journeys in Britain. And it doesn't get it doesn't get enough credit. It's really nice. It's the ignored one. It doesn't have any special steam services. It's not through the bleakest bit of Scotland. It's just really pretty and nice. And it goes along a lovely valley. So yeah, there you are. Do all the Scotland lines, but don't forget Kyle. Okay, number six. Number six, um, North York Moors Railway. Okay, you've you've just get, given me a look and done a hand gesture, like well, obviously the North York. The North York, the North I don't know where the North well, York Moors Railway is. Do you know it's where like, the North? Does, I, I can probably make an educated guess at where the North York Moors are. Where do you think they are, John? They're probably in North Yorkshire. Uh, do you, they're actually north of York. That's the that's the key bit. Ah, I thought it was uh, a sort of a, a hip abbreviation. Thing. No, it's it's yeah. the north of York Moors. Okay, um, and all of your... I don't really know what a moor is. A moor, moor is, is 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 a bleak place where you can film period dramas about murders and things like that. Um, uh, it's useful for several things: military training, shooting grouse, and farmers who feel very unhappy about raising sheep. I'm just not clear how it differs from other types of landscape. Like... Uh, just bleak and open, and with lots of heather usually. I'm just not sure that, like, you know, that's bleak is an official category when like deciding in these. Oh, that's 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 incredibly bleak. That we'll call that one tundra. I don't think that's how it works. There uh, must be other reasons. Well, like, in, the, in the UK, um, it's a, it's a national park, and the North York Moors Railway is is one of the earliest railways in the UK. Uh, it was shot under beaching, and very very quickly reopened as one of the first heritage railways in the UK. And my dad helped to relay a bit of it. Uh, in the early 70s and his best mate who died last week uh, Mark Sissons whose funeral I was at uh, helped to run it with him and so we'd always go up in the 90s Mark lived at a railway cottage on this line uh, and I'd be able to stand on the footplate of whatever steam locomotive was going past uh, uh, look at the uh, go into the signal box and, and pretend at least I was convinced I was directing the trains of course the burly bloke behind me was actually pulling the levers when I was thinking I was pulling them but it's the, some of the most stunning country in the UK and a lot of heritage railways are quite boring this one actually goes somewhere nice it goes all the way to Whitby uh, now and it runs through some of the best country in the whole of the UK so you go up there you get to Pickering you get on a steam train or you get on a diesel train if you're a more interesting person and then you trundle up to Whitby where you can basically pretend to be a goth for a day. And so all in all, it's a great day out and a beautiful journey. And convenient for Dracula. So. Exactly, exactly. Um, number five. Number five. Um, going up, and I think it's called the Cambrian Line, when you go from Shrewsbury to a place, and oh, I'm so sorry, any Welsh listeners, Fwelly? For, for, on the, so you, you get, I can't even begin to guess what letters there it's, are it's in involves, a Welsh place It involves a P Fwelly, and a W like. and an E and H and a couple of L's, I think. But you go all the way up the coast, on the west coast of Wales, and then you end up um, in Port Maddock, where there's uh, you, you're close to the place where they film The Prisoner. What's the, what's the name of that? The, oh, um, um, Port Myron. Yeah, so you're there. And there's a narrow gauge railway which chugs its way all over the hills of this bit of northwest Wales. It's through stunning countryside. And they, they connected two lines. And the way they did it was basically to run a track down the main road in this town. So a few times a day, the entire town comes to a standstill while a narrow gauge steam train pulls through the centre of the town across the main bridge and then gets going again. That's awesome. It's absolutely fantastic. There's a there's a helix where you cross over yourselves on the way up to gain height, and you 
uh, trundle through past Port Marion at slow speed, and you end up uh, on top of a mountain in Wales, and it takes forever. You just climb and you climb and you climb, and the, the engine at the front puffs away. And it, and I'm sorry to any of the residents of I think who for two reasons. One, I'm about to mangle the name of where they are, Blanau Festiniog. Uh, which is a settlement in the in the sort of mountains in the north of Wales. It's also the single bleakest place I've ever seen. You're up a mountain, it's slate mines all round, and it's just, it, it looks like sort of the end of the earth. It looks like a sort of Lord of the Rings mine. It's, it's, it, there's no sort of grassed over hills here. It's just bleakness. And then you can get a train down the other side, and it's lovely. Okay, I mean, like, I've been I've been sat here. I've been kind of like you know not faking it exactly. Where she, yeah, it just one done that. You know, North York Mars. I'm sure it's lovely. This is the first one where your descriptions made me like. How do I? When can I go on that? That sounds awesome. I want to do that now. So the, the clever thing to do: go to Shrewsbury, stay a night there, and then get this long British rail line up to Fwilly, which I've mangled again, and then get on this steam train over the hills. And then at the other side, when you get up into the hills, there's a ancient british rail line which a few times a day will take you back down to chester and to humanity this sounds awesome it's okay fantastic. i need to take some time off and do this um and the next one is i've lost track of the numbers Where i think we're on we? four i think the numbering Did system do... doesn't really matter we're mainly okay. just arguing and okay okay getting an idea but uh you say the numbering system doesn't matter but i am gonna get half a dozen letters going oh you missed out number five actually. right right well i think we're, i think we're on four so um, i'm gonna go for uh the thameslink route Okay. What the hell? I get, I get, I still get a kick out of it. Why? It's dreadful. It is famously <laughs> one of the most dreadful routes in London. Like when I was a baby transport nerd and was like sort of like arguing on like you know Usenet groups about London transport. When I was You're showing like your 17. age, John. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, but there was a project they were planning. To upgrade that line under the name Thameslink 2000. I remember it. They have not finished it yet. So as someone from York who used to get the line down, King's Cross was always my portal to this terrifying place of which I was genuinely terrified called London. And when we got on, it would always have big adverts for Thameslink 2000 coming at the end of Blair's first term. Um, that, that, That still hasn't happened. Yeah. They're getting closer, I think. They're like, now talking next year, I think. I think, I think, ne- I think the end of this year, it might actually happen. Um, but at some point, like the Crossrail, which they literally had to de- bore a tunnel for under the whole of central London, has somehow lapped this existing route where it was just a matter of like, you know, rewiring things a little bit for various reasons. It turns out that was incredibly complicated. So the route that goes through London Bridge is fantastic and when it will finally curve around properly and i'm not sure at the time of recording whether i I think they've started some sample services from new cross or not but that bit when you go into blackfriars which i think is the most i still think is the most amazing station with the best view of london that blackfriars station for those who aren't familiar with it was rebuilt a few years ago so that the platform's run across the river it's the only station in london that isn't now on both sides of the thames effectively and it's got one of my favorite views in london looking towards st paul's and the city of london the financial center and then down to canary wharf and i just get that sense of going through past london bridge and i think this journey is now possible again going through london bridge going up there and seeing that view and then the excitement of winding your way through sort of proto-victorian tunnels all the way up to king's cross and then 
getting splurged out the other side. I always feel like you've sort of gone, you know, through City Thames Link, which is both the worst and the best bit of London railway stations because it's got it's it's clearly awful, but it's kind of wonderful how someone patched up central London in the eighties when there was no funding in Britain for infrastructure by basically coming up with a madcap idea. And the whole thing, the way it links this city that I always had a problematic relationship with, but now love, um, I just think it's actually kind of great. But the services are terrible. Like, it is the most complained about railway in Britain, I believe. Yeah, let's not get into that, though. Okay. We're, we're just here for the we're journey. Just, okay, we're just here yeah. for the journey. Okay. We're assuming everything's working Also, here. City Thameslink is the worst name for any station. Yeah, we, we, I, I know this is a long-running yeah, thing. It's, it's a whole thing. It's, right. it's our local station in this office, that's all. Okay, number Number three. three. Oh, we're getting close. We're getting close. Uh, Leeds to Blackpool. Okay. I think it's the thinking man, Settle Carlisle. What's the... I mean, I can't... Where, where does it go So there? I think I maybe, maybe for your listeners, Settle, Settle to Carlisle is the archetypal... Are you telling me Settle to Carlisle isn't even on the list? Well, you'll have to find out, John. We'll oh, God, you're soon. a monster. Um, Settle to Carlisle is obviously stunning. I mean, it is objectively stunning. I think most people would know that. But Leeds to Blackpool winds its way through mill towns, which are kind of amazing. You feel like you're cutting through the Pennines in a way that you don't on the Settle Carlisle. Because the Settle Carlisle goes over the top. They built big viaducts. They built Mm. big tunnels. They put the money in so they could run mainline trains. Wind your way to Blackpool from Leeds through places like Halifax and and Hebden Bridge and all these great little towns that have a lot going on, far more than anyone normally gives them credit for. And you just get a sense of the actual north of England, not the bit which is big cities, not the bit which is pure countryside, but the sort of mid-sized towns that actually keep the place going. And also it's really pretty. That you, you, you know, you, They're often built onto the side of the valley, so you're winding around, you're chugging around, you're gaining height, you're going over the top, then you're ending up in Accrington, and then you keep going because you're in Accrington. And then, <laughs> uh, and then at the end you can get to Blackpool, which is a very boring bit of the journey, but it's always fun to have a day trip to Blackpool. How long does it take? I suspect it takes a very long time. Uh, what, one of the worst things about, and I've just spent a few days in Yorkshire, um, is after a while in London, sort of when people explain that the bus is every two hours or that the, the, the train is every hour and then it takes three hours to get somewhere that I mentally think of as just around the corner. Um, that's, that's, that's the problem with Northern Transport. It's, it's just really not anything like good enough for the people that live there. This, this is why Britain voted leave. Number it two. Is, it is. Uh, number two, um, the East Coastline. Most of it, but especially north of Doncaster. Yeah, it's the northern bit that's the good bit. It's the northern bit's the good bit. North of Doncaster, you have this wonderful bit where three power stations align, which, if you're a, uh infrastructure obsessive, is a beautiful sight um, because it's all along the old coal fields. And then north of about Newcastle, when you get that stunning approach into Newcastle, you see all the bridges aligned over the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to look down, you see various bits of railway history, you get to see the whole city coming together. You go through that great central station. You've already been through York, Darlington... Newcastle, which all have these great big arched um, northeastern railway stations. There is that stretch where you go through Durham, which is gorgeous, and then Newcastle very soon afterwards, and then you're basically hugging the coast from there till and that obviously that it's obviously glorious. is the perfection when you're yeah. just hugging the coast. You feel like you're about to go into the sea. You're on really nice, comfortable trains before the government gets rid of them and replaces them with the rubbish new ones. Um, you there's nothing better in life than getting a few beers getting a ticket up to Scotland and just soaking it all up from there. 
I almost put the West Coast main line because that is also really nice going through Carlisle and up that way and through and winding through. Basically, anything that goes near the Scottish borders is generally quite good. You can, I mean, but actually, it's true of both of them. But you do sort of have to get out of the more urbanised bit of England before these lines are nice. Like the I've used the West Coast line an enormous amount to get to Birmingham or Manchester. And those bits are kind of a bit rubbish. They're bland, but the bit where you're yeah, really getting going to only Glasgow, once you get I mean, past Preston, that it starts getting. Yeah. Glasgow is one of my favourite cities in the world, and I've had some of the best times ever there. And pulling into Central Station is is still a kick because you really feel like if you've done London to Glasgow, that feels like a proper journey. It's mm. as close to a proper journey you can get in Britain. And one, I mean, I also love Glasgow from my limited experience of it. But one of the things I love about it is it does feel like a proper big city. It's not one that like there there are a, there are a number of cities in this country which I'm not going to name which kind of feel a little bit like they're looking over their shoulder and just grumpy about like, name them. I'm not going to. Is that. it Coventry? No, I quite like Coventry. Yeah. I'm just saying that if you're wandering around Birmingham, you will often hear the phrase <laughs> "biggest outside London" or "better than London." Yeah, but it's or no like, Manchester, is it? Yeah, Manchester's better. Manchester's um, better. So there's that. Um, so, I think, so I think I think going going up to Scotland, either side of the country, is just is great, um, and you can do it on a sleeper, but you don't want to. Why would you, you want to do awake, that? You want yeah. to you want to be awake, and you want to also have hit the point where you're just pleasantly pissed. You've got maybe you've you've been and got three or four of those pre-mixed gin and tonics, and you're on about the third. Uh, that's the sort of perfect level to be yeah, looking at the countryside. Sunset coming in perfection all right you've kept it in suspense it's not the settle to carlisle which is brilliant by the way and which is this magnificent folly that really shouldn't be there it's like the last of the main lines built it was completely economically unnecessary it doesn't go anywhere the only reason it still exists it doesn't even link up to the main line south beyond lees like you can see how if they just diverted it a little bit Mm. built another link in bradford there could be this route from St Pancras to West Yorkshire up to Carlisle, but they never finish that bit. So it's this completely pointless line that people only use to say they've been on the settled Carlisle. I'm, I'm always hamstrung with guilt about it because of a, a, a childhood friend's dad took us both as a birthday treat on it. Um, and we didn't understand why we were doing it and spent the whole time on our Game Boys. Oh. Um, and, you know, it's only in retrospect you go, he was trying to share the, the, the beautiful views of of yorkshire and we were just probably trying to get a new high score on mario because i was very excited to actually have access to a game boy anyway john which is your best railway journey in the whole of britain oh you know you would have thought given everything you would have thought that i would at some point have given some consideration to this and i actually haven't i haven't done enough of them to be honest i really like uh i really like the the northern bits of the west and east coastlines we just talked about um i have a weird soft spot for the the quieter of the two routes to Cambridge, the one out of Liverpool Street. Oh, you're into the route to Cambridge before it was cool. Is that what you're saying? It's it's like when I was uh, sorry, sorry, world. I was at Cambridge when I was at Cambridge. Um, there were two lines from Cambridge to London: so the one to King's Cross, which is the express one, but there's a slower, more trundling one that goes up the, that leaves Liverpool Street and goes up the Lee Valley, and then through the sort of beautiful bits of sort of west, uh, west uh, western Essex which are actually like a lot more picturesque than anyone would imagine them to be. Mm. And you basically just stop at all these 
pretty country towns and these sort of fields away. And it was, and also it was actually because my 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 childhood home was on a line into Liverpool Street. It was actually also slightly quicker and less stressful. Aww. So so I have a soft spot for that one. But there's never a reason to take the bloody thing. I've, but... I've only taken it once, and that was after an all night clubbing, getting the first train home in the morning, and I've never felt more wretched in my life. So I, I've got bad vibes about that. I, I I used to for reasons that would take a lot of explaining. I'm not going to do. I used to go to a monthly club night in in Reading and get the first train back into Waterloo. Uh, and I would wake up somewhere around Clapham Junction, surrounded by all these commuters who were clearly disgusted <laughs> by my very presence. I, I think that's one of the best things about the whole railway system, just the sort of le- the mix of people that you see on it, and especially if you can really annoy the right ones at the right time. Actually, there was a, having been to um, a, a party in Southampton once and got the first train back, um, for, I had to change trains at, at Vauxhall. Or something like that. No, I had to change trains at Clapham Junction to get to Vauxhall to get the Tube, I think, was what was going on. But, like, I was rushing for this train, and I was clearly going to miss it. And the, the driver said, yeah, well, get in here and sort of let me ride one stop up in the carriage with him so I didn't miss the train. So that was a nice kind of, you know, boyhood dream. But again, after I'd been out all night and <laughs> getting wasted. So anyway, this is this is all, we're just building up the suspense <laughs> here. What's, what's number one? I think the best railway journey in Britain is... Hang on, drum roll. That's going to come out this really is quite a per- This is quite a personal one. Is Manchester Piccadilly to Manchester Oxford Road. Okay, that's like... That takes two minutes. Yes. It's fantastic. I used to do it when I lived in Manchester for a year, just just to sort of get around the city. It's like one stop up. It's around the corner. Yes. You can walk that in ten minutes. You could. Or you could go along a link that in the city that really made the railways into the thing that they are you can go between two of the most different most interesting stations one a 60s futuristic what should we do about this place manchester oxford road rebuild one which is piccadilly which i think is still i really like it's a bit of a mess but it's still kind of great you can go past all the industrial sites if you carry on a little bit further you could see the areas that marx and engels were talking about when they were writing about the sort of plight of of the english worker you go over the place where vimto was invented you go past well that's worth it in itself really isn't it if you look down you can see a giant vimto bottle painted red or whatever colour Vinter is, is it sort of, sort of black currency sort of colour. And I just think in terms of the best bit is that sense of you're floating above a city, a city that was built around this sort of stuff, a city that is, if you're a city metric listener, viewer, whatever, and if you've made it this far through the podcast, you will know what we mean. That buzz that you get from being elevated above it all, from seeing how it all fits together, from having a disgusting little river winding by you, you can pass... If you go on past Oxford Road, you'll pass the Hacienda, you'll pass all the stuff that sort of uh, Manchester is now sadly turning into Liverpool about in terms of worshipping its past. But on a tiny little bit of track, you get, uh, and if you go on past Castlefield, that's basically where everything began. That's where the first canals ended. That's where the first railway station in the world was. You're passing all of this. And so when I say Piccadilly to Oxford, maybe maybe if you took the old, uh, the new curve, all yeah, the, the old school curve which links, um, uh, which goes between Deansgate is next up the line from Oxford Road, isn't it? And then you go over the old school curve. But basically, and basically, see it Manchester a, Victoria, yeah. a two or three minute journey through central Manchester will give you a sense of feeling like you're floating through a city, a sense that you're. Um, uh, 
really at the heart of everything and just the most amazing slice of history every second if you know where you're going when i i was i lived there when i was 18 for a year and i used to press my nose up against the window and try and work out what i was seeing with every every single building had something quite significant in british history about it it was great so yeah that's i think left field choice i think that is genuinely that sums up why it why it's there the the, the railway system isn't there basically to please a load of day trippers it's a nice byproduct and if you can get a bit of you know excitement and sightseeing out of your daily commute then that's just nice isn't it well i'm sure um if you've listened to to 35 minutes of this stuff then you will probably be someone with strong views to tell you what why don't you why don't you send me send me them and uh we might do a follow-up cheers jim cheers john Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.